and it's Acts chapter 2 and the first 21 verses. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, oh, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Father, in the light of that scripture and the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, in the light of all the changes and transitions we go through in life, the things that stretch us and discomfort us. We think of Jill and Rob. 
And we think of the change we're going through as a, as a church as I move on and someone else comes. All of that and everything in between. Lord, we pray that we might accept our realities. And through Jesus and your Holy Spirit, receive a hope that does not disappoint. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, do you know who is behind this song? I'm not actually going to sing it, although it's quite hard to read these lyrics and not sort of semi-sing it. Um, I did do this at our first service, and about two people knew. But I'm, I think I'm going to get a better result here. It goes, ch-ch-ch-ch-changes, turn and face the strange. Ch-ch-ch-ch-changes, don't tell them to grow up and out of it. Ch-ch-ch-ch, come on. Changes. Turn and face the strange. Who's that? Ch-ch-changes. Where's your shame? You've left us up to our neck in it. Which is what the church wardens are saying to me at the moment, I think. Time may change me, but you can't trace time. And that's brilliant, isn't it? Because life so often, well, no, all the time is about change and coping with change. Sometimes it's beautiful, so baby Edith, and sometimes it's painful, so baby Edith's leg, and sometimes, most of the time, it's a bit of both, baby Edith. It's just life, isn't it? Change and coping with change. It's said the only reliable constant thing today is change. The word liminal comes from a Latin word meaning threshold. It describes a time when you're on the edge of something or in the middle of something, kind of caught between two states or two times maybe in your life, two realities. It's a time of change, of waiting, of uncertainty, and very often, therefore, confusion, but potentially and very often real creativity too. As you move from one thing into another, and the special word for that, coined by anthropologists, is liminal. So we might say things like, we're in a, a strange time, it's a time of change and transition, a liminal time. Everything just feels a bit odd and unsettled or awkward. We feel a bit restless, but we also feel a sense of urgency, even excitement, and that's liminal. And as Christians, we can say that this liminal or waiting time is about owning reality and discovering a hope that does not disappoint. So, I think it's true to say as a church, as we approach this vacancy thing, we're in a liminal time. And our liminal situation is paralleled by this liminal waiting time in the Acts of the Apostles between Jesus' departure, the ascension of Jesus, and the arrival of a hope that did not disappoint in the shape of the Holy Spirit. Arnold van Gennep 
sounds like a Dutch midfielder. Van Gennep, 1-0, actually was a famous anthropologist and he thought about liminality and he developed this life transition theory and the key words were for him separation, transition and incorporation. Before you think, is he flipped and is he doing an anthropology lecture? Um, actually, I think you can see this stuff whenever you go through a life change which involves some kind of transition, particularly any kind of letting go. So, leaving home. Or, if you've not had this yet, when your first child leaves home and you go and sit in their bedroom. And what does that feel like? Or if you get made redundant. Or you simply change your job, like I'm doing. Or you move house, like I'm doing. Or you move church, like me. <laughs> See, people who stand up here don't preach to you, they preach to themselves. I hope you've realized that. Or if you become ill, or you suffer a loss or a bereavement, or if you contemplate or approach your own death, all of those are transitions and they put you in that strange place, this liminal place of waiting which feels so difficult but which is also such a potent time with the possibility of transformation. And I think there are lots of things in life like that, aren't there? Big things and little things. And after a bit, I think you kind of realize that the, the little letting goes are all actually a kind of a big rehearsal for that finding, final letting go into the arms and love of God. So that we become able to do that and do it well. So let's just think about what Mr. Van Gennep and his footballing friends were saying. Separation. Words like parting and farewell and tearing. Tearing was the word that came to my mind when I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to be leaving. It's going to be like a tearing away from this church family. But also... Along with that, a sense of excitement and a future hope, welcoming the challenge and the promise. And for me, I guess that whole thing, the way that God spoke to me about that, as I shared either last week or the week before, but in case you weren't here, was that back in November, we were praying in the ministry leadership team and we were just quiet and I had this vivid picture. And it was of me in my kayak, um, kayaking just across the entrance to Whitstable Harbour. And as I went out there, this ship appeared, which seemed huge, and it was very scary. So I just spun round and got to a safe place. And what was that about? It was, I think, the way God was speaking to me about this scary move from one place to another. It kind of opened me up. So we might think of separation or transition. Transition is the chaotic time. 
in the chaotic time between one thing or another. You might feel disturbed, but actually you start to make sense of stuff. The tasks that you now have, the things that you no longer are, who you are now. And I think just an example of that might be having a baby. If you've ever had a baby, been a mum or a dad, you know that when that happens, you are catapulted into a kind of semi-managed chaos through which you emerge somehow, chrysalis-like, into fully-fledged parenthood. You don't quite know how it happens, but you weren't a parent before, but now you are, and you've been through that liminal chaos time, and you make sense of your new purpose and identity now. And you reflect on the skills you have or the skills you will need. That, do you see that? That's a kind of liminal. Another example of semi-managed chaos in my life is Vicky learning to drive at the moment. <laughs> but on the most literal level, that her learning to drive is about moving physically from one place to another. So it's a good example. And during our early prayer, during Thy Kingdom Come over the last nine days, Toby shared a picture of my ship <laughs> and had the word uh, from God, I will lead you safe to shore. In these times, we need to hear the word of hope, I will lead you safe to shore. It's all right. And the last key word, before we just kind of leave this bit, incorporation that's moving into the new thing summed up there learning to live with who you are now in the new country God has called you to inhabit with the new resources he shows you there does that make sense if you've changed church think about that learning to live with who you are now in the new country God has called you to inhabit with the new resources he shows you there. And that's why my theme in this sermon is that owning reality and discovering hope that does not disappoint. Because the Acts of the Apostles is all about this kind of transition, especially these first five or six chapters. When the early church becomes changes from being a rabble of dispirited and grieving disciples and becomes a movement which quite literally is going to turn the world upside down. And in chapter 2, the day of Pentecost is exactly that. In that most liminal of waiting times, the disciples discover a hope in the person of the Holy Spirit that does not disappoint. The reason that these times, these disrupted, stressful, painful, waiting times in our lives are so creative for us as Christians is that when we wait with our hands open, God pours his Holy Spirit into our open hands, maybe in a way that he cannot normally do when we don't have that posture. As we own our reality and discover a hope that does not disappoint. And I think this is absolutely kind of scriptural. That verse there 
is not from Acts, it's actually Romans 5, 5. But that's what it says. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And make no mistake what this chapter of the Acts of the Apostles and in fact the whole of Acts is telling us is that God is the pouring out God. That all the time he is pouring out now on us, his children, his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you like, is the presence of the future in us and among us now. A taste of God's perfect future to come. And in a way, I would say the key words in our scriptures today, in this chapter 2 of Acts of the Apostle, the key word is pouring. In that prophecy of Joel that Peter quotes in his sermon, he says twice, in the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit. That's chapter 2, verse 17. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And again, verse 18, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And he goes on in verse 33, exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And that's why this is good news. Because God is pouring himself out now on us. And I actually think this is a bit of a challenge to the way we often read this passage of Scripture, and especially that bit, that quote in Peter's Pentecost Day sermon from the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I will pour out my spirit in those days. Young men will see visions. Old men dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. And very often we take that and we go, yeah, if we just pray, you know, maybe that will happen. We can pray for these signs and wonders and, 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 and if God answers our prayer, that this will happen. But actually, that's not what Peter thinks. That's not the way Peter is using that passage. He's saying, this is what's just happened, what you've just heard. All these people speaking in, in your languages, that's because that has been fulfilled. Jesus has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And that is the good news of the Acts of the Apostles. We live in this time, this era, if you like, this dispensation of the Holy Spirit who is being poured out on us. And that's why we can be full of hope in these waiting or confused or transitional times, we can own our reality and discover this hope that does not disappoint because God is pouring himself out. Now you can see this pattern, this liminality, I think, in the Acts of the Apostles. If you just come with me, if you've got your Bible and turn, turn to Acts chapter 1, it's as if Jesus deliberately puts his disciples in this kind of place. Chapter 1, verse 4. So he's risen, but not yet ascended. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. 
Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He instructs them to wait. It says in verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. These 40 days were this liminal waiting time par excellence. And I think that's quite interesting. Um, in the light of a vacancy in a church like this, I mean, I don't like the word vacancy. As I don't like interregnum, and I don't like vacancy. It's not as if you're vacant. You don't look vacant. Well, sometimes you do look vacant. <laughs> but you're not looking very vacant this morning. You're looking full of the Spirit. And, and people have said to me, you know, when's the new vicar coming? Will he or she be here before you go? And I've had to say, the Church of England's not rational like that. You know, it's not, like, it's not like we're treated as if we're all Christians and we'll get on with each other. And, you know, there could be a rational handover. The, the church kind of treats us as if probably we're not Christians really and we would fall out or argue about it. But actually, so what we have is this gap. I've got to go. There's got to be a gap. Never the twain shall meet and someone else comes. But if you think about it in these terms, that's, that's potentially really creative, isn't it? That puts you in the place where those disciples were, waiting and praying and attending to God and to each other and to the Spirit in your midst. And actually, that can be incredibly creative. Maybe there's wisdom in this, uh, this system that we happen to be in here you can discover the hope that does not disappoint. I think there's a but, though. There is a but. And the but is here in Acts. It's in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And the but is that the Holy Spirit is given for a purpose. Yes, he's our comforter, but he may well be that discomforting comforter who prods us into action and sends us out. And if you look in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you know, there are things you don't know. You don't know the times or the dates, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. That's why God pours out his Holy Spirit because he is the pouring out God and he wants everybody to know his love. And he says to his church, I'm going to inundate you with my spirit for that task. Not to be a holy huddle. Not so you can just be there and pray for your own comfort, but so you can be my agents of transformation in the whole world. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, read for that. Sea Salter Christian Centre, Lucerne Drive, Sea uh, um, Salter Ward, the whole of Whitstable, that place over there, Faversham, that place over where it is, Hearn Bay. Yes, even Hearn Bay, says the Lord. And the Diocese of Canterbury, and the whole world. The whole world. 
I think that's why it's right that in the waiting time, we're going to be reaching out into Lucerne Drive at precisely that moment. We will encounter the Holy Spirit there because this is for everybody. And all of those names, which M read so brilliantly, Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and the rest, that was their way of saying, yes, it's the whole world. That's the whole, it's a kind of um, anti-clockwise circle, those names, round the Mediterranean from Jerusalem and back again through North Africa with a little detour into Rome and back to Jerusalem. And they all heard the wonders of God in their own language. And all of that from the mouth of a bunch of Galileans, utterly amazed, they said, um, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Um, Galileans who were generally taken to be a bunch of uncouth and illiterate people with a weird inability to pronounce even their own language properly, like people from Lancashire, like me. And we should go, well, if they can do it in the power of this, we can do it. We can, if we just step out from Jerusalem to Judea and all of Samaria and the ends of the earth, the Holy Spirit will give us the ability to speak in a language that people can actually understand, not church speak. Amen. Well, there's a lot more that could be said, but essentially what Fabian and I want to say as we set this series in Acts up um, is that Acts is all about good news. Um, it's not a bunch of object lessons to make us feel guilty because we're not as good as the early church. That's the wrong way to read it. It's all about the good news of what God is doing and actually what he is doing is pouring himself out. And as this story unfolds, and as our story unfolds, we will see it will be the story of the acts of the Holy Spirit through us, especially in the liminal time, the waiting time. Acts is the good news of what God is doing. And Calvin said Acts was a kind of vast treasure. So you have treasure in store as you explore the acts of the apostles best of all in a time of transition and waiting and praying and affirming each other in Christ recognizing the tongues of fire that rest on each person's head actually and the breath of the spirit which animates our church naming that that's what your job will be name it affirm each other Say where you're finding Jesus in each other's midst, in each other's faces. In that way, um, Vicky and I in due course and all of you will own our realities and discover a hope that does not disappoint. Amen. Thank you for listening. <laughs>